0: When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the seducing speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you. So we've we've been in this chapter of Matthew the last few weeks, and Jesus uh, is just having these continued encounters. Um, this week he has another encounter with someone with questions. I love Jesus's approach to these questions. He's always kind of got time for it. Uh, a question. Even one asked in bad faith, trying to kind of nail him to the wall, for Jesus, it's, a, it's an invitation. It's, a, it's not a threat. It's a, a possibility to dig deeper and to open up space between people where God lives and where God is doing something, questions like Jesus's answers that are often take place in parables and stories and use object lessons of things that he can see and grab, um, these, these questions make room. They don't foreclose. They don't close down. They open up. So when Jesus encounters a Pharisee who, the text says, also happens to be a lawyer. And like I, I know lawyers um, who also are Christians, and sometimes that's a, a weird conflict, right? My brother's a lawyer, (laughs) in addition to being a little brother. uh, He encounters the Pharisee, who's also a lawyer, who starts to ask about God's law. Jesus gives about the most normal answer possible, but it's also about the most explosive answer possible to this question about which is the first and which is the greatest commandment. You see, the Hebrew scriptures are filled with laws, with commands, with uh, rules, about 630 of them to be precise. Uh, A rabbi's job, a teacher, is to adjudicate, you see that legal word, um, between the requirements of these laws and sometimes these seemingly conflicting laws what God was requiring, and which laws had more gravity for which situations, which laws were heavier and which laws were a little bit lighter. So this was kind of a fraught question, the simple question, which is the greatest commandment? is less like, what's your favorite movie? And it's more like, which is your favorite kid? <laughs> Jesus, you know? Jesus's answer would be picked apart, certainly. You get a sense he's dealing with, like, high-level, invisible politics. Uh, He's trying, though, I think, not to offer, like, a smooth-tongue response. So Jesus uncorks a doozy of an answer, familiar words. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. These are familiar words because these are these are, this is the, the Jewish prayer, the Shema. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, everything. This prayer was taught. Teach it to your kids. Recite it. Bind it on your forehead. This prayer becomes the EKG of the spiritual life of faith. And Jesus is being super normal with this answer, seemingly uncontroversial, maybe even conservative, until he nests a second law right beside it. I'm working as a TA this semester at the Divinity School, and these sorts of answers drive me nuts when I'm grading. It's like you ask one question, they're like, and also this, please don't mark me down, right? I don't think that Jesus is giving like 1A and 1B answer here. I think instead, Jesus, God in the flesh, is never content to talk about God without talking about flesh. I I think that's what's happening when he says love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself and those are connected and those are nested inside of each other. It's because Jesus is God and Jesus is human and it's 100% and 100% for Jesus. Jesus is giving his whole identity to us and calling us into the same sort of ministry. Jesus adds to our wholehearted, whole throated, embodied love of God and empathetic love of our neighbors. And then he stamps them both with the very weight of everything that had come before the the law and the prophets. Like these two commandments are like two nails that everything hangs on, and they're strong enough to hold them. Whoa, (laughs) this big step. So scoreboard for this, we have one love that is happening here. He says it's the kind of the same love for these two things. We have two laws, and we have three parties involved here in this kind of greatest and first commandment. Love is the rubric, and love is the source, and love is the cause, and love is the effect. Love helps us suss through commands and demands of the law and of our lives. Love for Jesus, is the medium, and the message, love is the lens through which the law has life instead of kills, so that all those requirements and guidances in gutter lanes that have been established, they're not abolished, but they are renewed and they are fulfilled in love. There's one love. There's two laws. Jesus is dealing one with God and one with people. And it's always just God and people. Remember, that's, that's like the operating definition of ministry. It's just God and people and just is doing a lot of work there in that sentence. And then the three parties, now this is kind of interesting, Uh, we normally just think of God and neighbor, but we're also a party in this. We have to love God, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. There's an implication that there has to be some sort of ability to love ourself in there, otherwise we're just exporting toxic stuff. (laughs) Implied is that It is super difficult to do two of those things well without the third at all times. Uh, I feel like I need like a um, zero Sunday sense using a Venn diagram disclaimer, but there's a Venn diagram for this that's awesome, right? This is kind of this Venn diagram faith that we're called into. It's simple, and it's complex, and it's dynamic. Jesus' gospel is that simple and that complex and that dynamic. And like dynamic like like dynamite, like compact and explosive. And doing all of these things together that, that kind of center triangle is really difficult and, and a lot of times our 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 faith is kind of mutated when we when we leave one of these things out. And so like if you look like that that little like pink almond sliver without the middle part, like that's putting all of our all of our force on loving, loving God and, and loving ourselves, and we wind up with this kind of distorted individualistic faith this, it's pietistic, it's separate, it's unengaged from the world. It, it, it is uh, often pretty unempathetic. Maybe you've known some of these people. Maybe you've been some of these people. Maybe you are that person. There's good news, though. Like, like, like Anna prayed, that this, is, this is like good news all the way down. There's good news for you because God has given us neighbors to grow our faith, not as a, something bolted onto our faith, but something central to it. God has put you exactly where you are and around exactly who you're around and has given you exactly what you need. God has made you a blessing to bless others. That's that's good news. Or maybe maybe you kind of hang out in that yellow part I didn't make this Venn diagram because there's no way red and green make yellow. I'm sorry um, <laughs> that's if that was bothering you, it was bothering me too <laughs> maybe you're hanging on that in that yellow sliver, and that is maybe a faith that which which its fruit is is activistic uh, maybe you're you're getting great things done for others and thank God for that but Maybe it's also not much of a growing life of faith in God. Maybe, maybe that uh, was your life, and now you've moved out or moved beyond that, and this feels like a, a better or, or safer, more sustainable way. But I think there's also some good news if you're living in that area, is that God is calling you to grow in love and worship. That, that before you've done anything, God knows you, and God loves you, and God desires intimacy with you. And and that intimacy could be uh, new for 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 this growing person. It doesn't have to be some childhood faith that you've left behind. God is calling you back to God's self. Or maybe you're hanging out in that light blue, we'll call it aqua, where where you're you're loving God, you're loving your neighbors, but <laughs> don't ask me about how I feel about myself. Right? This is. I imagine this to be like a, like a really ma- evangelistic, maybe even missional type of person, but this place is so dangerous because it, it seems so good. It seems like you've got it all taken care of, but it's, it can be really unsustainable, and it can also uh, often instrumentalize God and in people for the sake of others because you don't know where you fit into that picture. And I think there's good news here, too, and I think that good news might start with rest. Just start with rest. Resting in God's love for you, for you, singular, even as you rest in God's love for all of y'all. I I, I think there's there's maybe a freedom that can be embraced in this place. That you're not either as good and all important as you might run around thinking you are, or you're not nearly as bad as someone might have told you, but that God, is doing things in you and through you and sometimes even in spite of you, apart with you and apart from you, right? And to make matters even maybe more difficult, we don't just have to love the Lord while we're also loving our neighbors, while we're learning to love ourselves in this healthy and growing way, but we have to do this all in real life. the strike zones are always kind of moving. The targets are shifting, right? We have to and maybe I should have saved this sermon title for closer to Christmas and Advent. We have to love actually. Love, comma, <laughs> actually. Okay? Like like, like we, we we have to love the actual Lord our God. Not the the one we imagine, not the one that is convenient for us. We have to love our actual neighbors. Not not like when we go visit our friends, we're like, man, that neighborhood's so cool. And those people that are around are so cool. That could be my life. But actually, the kind of jerks that live next door to you, we have to learn how to do that. We, had, we also have to learn to love our actual selves. Not like an old version. Not like the, the, the best you coming up in uh, 2024 when we make all of our resolutions. But like our actual selves. This takes it out of the realm of theory and puts it into, like, messy and imperfect practice. This is what Jesus is encouraging, and this is his answer. I think all these things is exactly why Oak Church exists. Today we, we celebrate and we give thanks for nine years of ministry. That's like, I don't know. That's a pretty long time in Durham these days, right? Like, um... Around this time, I always look back, Uh, look back at pictures and and try to to look back at artifacts of what we were thinking and what God was doing and, and try to reconnect with some of the people along the way. We look back on the ways that God has grown us, the ways that God has been faithful to us, the ways that God continues to teach us and has been really kind to us and has shown us how to cultivate joy in this place. I think back to when Oak was just like a forming idea. It was more of like an idea of a church than an actual church. And I don't think I'd have any idea like, about what is going on right here today. Um, if you'd asked me in October 2014 what October 2023 would be like, um, yeah, I, I don't know what I would have said. I always thought and hoped that the Lord was building something beautiful and resilient and dynamic in weird in good ways. But I couldn't have foreseen many of the people that are here. I, for some of y'all, I couldn't have foreseen this six months ago, right? And I couldn't have foreseen also some of the people that have been sent out from this little community. All corners of the country, different corners of the world. Um, I couldn't have foreseen the things that we've gone through collectively together. I love that we got to bring out those um, Sadie's art panels yesterday because it, it thrust me back into emerging from COVID and parking lot church, and um, and in good ways reminded me of the ways that God was with us even when we were mostly worshiping through Zoom screens and and then with you know strollers on a blacktop and um, and and the way that God continues to to shape us and to be with us. I couldn't have foreseen the ways the neighborhood had. Has changed, is changing. Um, uh, I, th- I just added this, like at the last minute, because I just remembered it. But um, I, I had this document, and this was even this was kind of like the pitch deck before we even had a team doing this. This is kind of again the idea of community before the community. This is from July eighth, two thousand fourteen, and I don't expect you to be able to read all those things. This is like a mind map about things that could have been here. And so it's such an amazing joy yesterday, like the block party and then just being around this community to see so many of these things that are actually happening here. Some things didn't happen. Some things were just a draft, right? But down to uh, weekly potlucks and music events and collaborations uh, with our friends still from the Gathering Church and projects in the neighborhood and block parties and Partnerships, you see these themes of partnerships, 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 mostly because we didn't have any, anything and didn't know anyone and so we needed to partner and we still do. Um, so I love just like even how prophetic this document is um, as like a time capsule of, of this kind of, some of these ideas that um, sometimes when things happen, they happen as good ideas from one of y'all and they get empowered and they, and they turn into a vital part of what Oak is and who this community is. And then we look back and we're like, oh, w- we actually had that idea 10 years ago, and, and now's the time for it. So I wanna encourage you um, for those good ideas, continue to, to, to be forming community, to be growing deeper in, in faith together, to continue to reach out to our neighbors. Um, these things are still happening uh, in this season. I also couldn't have foreseen some of the good things that are happening, particularly in the season. I couldn't have foreseen the incredible elder team um, that we plugged earlier with an opportunity to nominate. The the kind of wisdom and care and partnership when, when Rach and I like, started forming a group uh, to start this church, it was so strange and kind of lonely and wondering if anyone was going to come alongside. And we've always had help. But in this most recent season, especially in a hard season, it's felt like we've had so much help and so much so many people deeply invested in like shoulder to shoulder in this. So I, I'm so grateful for that. And I think like nine years ago, I couldn't have ima- like I probably would have told you we would have a youth group, but I wouldn't have imagined this like incredible, rich, young community of people that are just, Growing their faith alongside each other, and growing their ability to worship God and to love each other well, and the leadership around that—it's—it's it's remarkable. It's really beautiful. All of this is kind of the actual part. Learning to love our our actual Lord means means. Uh, means continuing to repent and continuing to grow in our knowledge of who God is rather than following some of the streams of like a political or a philosophical construction of who God is. It means not even following the, the God of your childhood trauma or your family of origin, but continuing to expect God to show up to you and to re- reveal to you and to, to, to welcome you into this new and full and abundant life. It means leaving behind, sometimes, the God that has been mobilized or weaponized in order to manipulate. It means re-engaging with the actual God of creation, the actual God that, that brought Israel out of Egypt, the actual God that raised Jesus from the dead, the actual God of the scriptures. The actual God who in coming months will worship as the God who arrives to us as we celebrate Advent. The God who comes to us in human form. The God who comes to us even now as God's spirit. The God who promised to return to set this world aright and to wipe every tear from every eye and to make all things new. I think we've also learned over these nine years together, I think we've learned a lot about loving our actual neighbors, not just some projection, not like some demographic data, not just the neighbors who are easiest to talk to, not the neighbors of the past or the ones that we hope will move in in a couple months or a couple years, but the ones that God has put before us. In coming months, we'll really have to grow in this because we'll become the new neighbors. We'll, we'll be new neighbors and we'll have new neighbors over by scrap exchange, just a little bit that way. And I think that this will continue to be dynamic and responsive work to grow in this way. My friend Emily Smith wrote in her book, uh, The Science of the Good Samaritan about what it means to be a good neighbor, that this sort of kind of attentive neighboring takes centering cost-counting, and courage. It takes the patience and the humility to center our actual neighbor, the wisdom to count the cost of what it might mean to love them, and the courage and the endurance to follow through. I think we've been building those resources together. Jesus is always inviting us in this pursuit of the first and the greatest command by getting close to the last and the least. And sometimes that proximity comes easy and sometimes it requires a lot of intention. We, we've been in this season um, of growing and preparing and you can't prepare for everything but we're, we're trying to prepare um, for this season. And so in the past year our elder team and our staff has considered um, how to best love our LGBTQ neighbors in this place. And we've been working with the scholar and author and facilitator Karen Keene to help us kind of consider outside of ourselves, how we might live fully into Christ's hope, healing and hospitality in this place and in a slightly new place around the corner. I think also uh, as we move, there are some great possibilities and some cool ways to continue to grow in our ability to minister alongside some of those new friends in the Reuse Arts District. Agencies that serve the most vulnerable neighbors a health clinic, a, a Latino mental health agency and others. I think there will be some ways that we can grow in intimacy and hospitality with our neighbors in apartments on Moorhead Avenue and some possibilities to deepen existing partnerships and common life with reality ministries and with insight co-learning and neighbors that um, that uh, loving them well means means uh, thinking about accessible worship with folks with varying abilities. This is not even an exhaustive list of what's coming up, but nine years of Oak has taught me to expect fiercely but also loosely. Honestly, nine years ago, I don't think I could have told you how much of a challenge it would be to love our Christian neighbors. (laughs) In this season, that has maybe been the hardest neighbor to love. It's been surprising to me. Maybe I'm just naive, you know, fool me, fool me once, shame on you, sort of thing. It's been surprising to me how hurtful and how abusive some of these interactions have been. But loving our actual neighbor also means negotiating these relationships in ways that makes it available for God to work and bless. I think we'll need, and we'll have some space to heal from some of these encounters, but uh, also, and I'm this is for me as much as for y'all, we, we can't grow callous, we can't be cynical, we can't close down to what God is doing in these sisters and brothers, and how we might be called to join together in the future. I'm preaching this gospel to myself right now. Which is a great reminder that we We have to continue to grow in loving our actual selves. If we are going to love our neighbors as ourselves, we need to attend to our limits as much as our strengths and capacities. We have to know our grief as much as we have to know our joy. Guys, it's got to be possible to love ourselves well without being selfish jerks, and I think that's what this is asking of us. In some ways, the best way to love yourself is to to grow in humility, to to learn and relearn reliance on God. And I think that that'll safeguard us from from doing things in ways that are pretty ungraceful or self-protective or unaware or closed off or, or shut down and instead open us up to the gifts of God and our neighbors. To love this way is to to love under the practical conviction that perfect love casts out fear. We, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid to be loved. We don't need to be afraid to follow love's lead beyond what we've been or what we've known. Because it's right in that middle part, that, that triangle there of nondescript color. <laughs> it's, it's right there. Right at that nexus of God and neighbor and ourselves, it's right there that God's love manifests. It's right there that Jesus is is right in our midst, even if we're not doing this perfectly. Just just that we're trying, just that we're growing, just that we're submitting. It's right there that the, the spirit continues to grow something so beautiful. Just to close, I'm, I'm really proud of y'all. <laughs> I'm proud of us, right? I'm, I'm really energized, I hope you are too, in the slow, good work that has, has happened. A lot of work has happened. There's a lot of work that is happening and is to come. I'm really grateful for God's gifts in this place in the ways that y'all help me see them, help each other see them. Uh, I'm really, gr- <clears throat> I'm really grateful for this, um, as our scripture Isaiah sixty-one three says, this planting of the Lord, for the display of God's glory. I'm uh, I'm so glad that this little, fragile planting continues to get rings year after year. Will y'all pray with me. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for calling us into a love that is deep and wide, a love that sustains, a love that surprises, a love that requires all of us and gives us everything that we need. Um, we thank you for being our God and for revealing yourself to us and calling us back to you when we go the other direction. We thank you for neighbors, good ones, bad ones, and otherwise. We ask for your forgiveness when we've been bad neighbors. And Lord, we thank you for being so close to us. Uh, Renew in us um, your spirit. Give us new life in vision, in hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.